When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Blake Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. And for this midterm edition, yes, it is the middle of the week, so it is the midterm edition brought to you by by my bookie we're going to get to talk to andy Patton of the locked on zags podcast talk all about the zags the final four and breaking down what's going to happen this weekend in college basketball so without further ado let's dive in welcome to the fn sports podcast hosted by park ranch it's me your favorite history teacher and we are joined as always for college basketball it seems <laughs> by friend of the show andy Patton of locked on zags andy how are you today I'm good. I'm good. You know, the Zag season is uh, unfortunately over, but I'm recovering from that and ready to watch the final four. So you say good, good. I'm assuming that because it was like Thursday night, not last night. Um, yeah. What was it? You, you were shocked when this all went down on Thursday night. You, were you, I mean, were you mourning it? Were you sad? Like what, what that go as a very, very tight knit fan? How'd that go? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because uh, Obviously, I was sad. Uh, I'm sad every time the Gonzaga season ended. It has not yet ended the way that we want it to in this school's history. Uh, we've come very close, but haven't quite gotten there. But I think for me, as a content creator uh, and as somebody who hosts a daily podcast about Gonzaga, the end of the season ha- happening somewhat abruptly and before a lot of people were ready for it was more of a stressor than it was something that I was able to mourn. Just a, a lot of conversation on the social media apps that wasn't particularly fun to get through and uh, having to suddenly realize how to come up with, you know, daily content about this team when the season is over. Feeling in a better spot now. I'm, I'm excited about off-season content. It's actually fun to, to do stuff over the off-season. Uh, sad that I am not doing in-season content still, but happy that, uh, that they still had a, a successful season and that uh, we still got a lot of Zags content to talk about. 
Well, and you always have the great mailbags. And so like, mm-hmm. I guess that kind of always turns. One thing I appreciated about your, your Zach's content, Andy, has always been, because Zach has a weird roster. Like, like I don't, maybe that's yeah. rude to say, but like, it's just players, you, I, Chet mm-hmm. Holmgren and Jalen Suggs are the, like outliers. Like most of the time mm-hmm. it's guys you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And so it's always insight into, you do a great job, like player by player mm-hmm. on how the season went hopeful things for them in the future and then last season with like a guy like Jalen it's like what happens if they come back what happens if they don't or whatever mm-hmm. before we get to all of those because I assume that's what's coming very soon is there a player you're like really excited to do that for yeah I, I'm, I'm really interested in how this this year's roster is going to shake out I think more than any other season in recent memory for Gonzaga there's a lot of guys who I have I don't have a good sense of whether they're going to come back or whether they're going to leave uh Drew Timmy is the biggest one I do not know what the big fella is going to do uh he has two more years of eligibility I'd be stunned if he takes both of them but it's wouldn't surprise me if he came back for another year did the whole Christian Leitner thing was just like the number one hated dude in college basketball, the guy that everybody feels like has been there for 10 years because he's only been there for three years and it already feels like he's been there for (laughs) 10 years. Um, So I'm really excited to kind of break down his season and kind of talk about, you know, how he did this year. I think there were some people who felt like he had a disappointing year, which is not really the case. Uh, He was statistically very, very good. He is the only reason they beat Memphis in the second round of the NCAA tournament. He had a monster game there he was in a different role because of Chet Holmgren being on the roster so I think that that's what caused some of the uh, misinterpretations about his season and now he's in a spot where he's has nothing left to prove in college but is also not a likely NBA player just because he doesn't have the skills that modern bigs in the NBA have he's not an outside shooter he doesn't move laterally so he would get just crucified in the pick and roll in the the NBA right now so he's an interesting kind of case study on whether these players will opt to stay in school they have the NAL he's making a lot of money on that versus going pro when you're probably not an NBA player maybe you're a summer league guy maybe you're a two-way guy best case scenario so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Drew Timmy and I'm really excited to to break down his season and break down his future as we get a better sense of what he's going to do well and and Timmy's a Texan so I feel like I can mm-hmm. talk about from the heart there I I will say it's like you're saying if he was like seven foot two big mm-hmm. he's a pro no question yep. yep he moves like a seven two or three big yeah and he's like six nine and change like you know like, like it's just yeah. not quite yeah. not quite there i assume with like a pro workout regimen he'll improve as a shooter because it's not like mechanically not mm-hmm. great he just mm-hmm. he has college amount of time on task right like yeah. that's just the way that goes like you got to go take algebra or whatever at some point college student, mm-hmm. right the I, I have to imagine the iconic mustache. You point out the NIL deals. What kind of stuff is he getting? Like, do you have any idea? Like, Dollar like, Shave Club. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. He's with Dollar Shave Club. They they signed him. Uh, he's got a big deal with the uh, the casino in Spokane, uh, Northern Quest Casino. Uh, but the Dollar Shave Club one was a big one. He's at T-Mobile. Uh, he's, yeah, he's got a lot. He's got a lot. He's got a recognizable face. Uh, he's a bad actor, but he's been in a lot of commercials anyway, which is fantastic. Yeah, he he's... I mean, obviously there, there are other poster childs already in other sports for a lot of the NIL stuff, but Drew Timmy is definitely somebody who has really cemented what you can do with obviously talent is, is clearly the number one thing, but also 
a unique style, a unique look, a lot of bravado, a lot of just kind of arrogance, confidence that he kind of exudes. He has he has taken full advantage of the new rules in, in the NCAA. <laughs> as he should, as mm-hmm. he should. The other thing is um, the like latest recruiting news for Gonzaga is mm-hmm. a guy that was considering them and another DFW product, Anthony Black, chose Arkansas. I don't want to assume he picked that based on the game. I want to assume he picked that on other things because that would be kind of a double L there. I, I personally got to watch him play in person. He's really good. I, I was really impressed by him and that whole Duncanville squad. Who do you look at and recruits coming in? Obviously, Holmgren and Suggs are kind of special, Mm -hmm. whatever school they go to, but especially for a school the size of Gonzaga. Do you have guys you're looking forward to seeing next year that, you know, you can start sprinkling their names in so people know who they're talking about? Or or do you have any idea who's coming in? It's it's an interesting class for the Zags. Uh, I think they, again, it goes back to that not exactly knowing how many people are going to stay or going to go. So the, the, the staff hasn't recruited much in the class of 2022. They have one recruit right now. His name is Braden Huff. He's from Chicago, four-star power forward, stretch four type guy. Think Killian Tilly, what he was like when he was in a Gonzaga uniform. Uh, And I think this guy's going to be good. I don't think he's going to play a ton as a freshman, but I think he's going to be a big piece for the future. But he is it that is committed for that class. Obviously, they were very in on Anthony Black. Uh, I would also like to think that he did not change his mind purely because of that game, but he was like, everybody had him going to Gonzaga until about 24 hours before he made his announcement. So he did seem to flip somewhat last minute. He has friends who were in the McDonald's All-American game who are going to Arkansas. Maybe they got a bug in his ear. Who knows what ended up happening there? I think Arkansas is a pretty good fit for him. They're obviously going to be really good next year. But for Gonzaga, a team that one of the big, issues they have had is not recruiting big physical guards and then therefore not matching up well with teams that have big physical guards. It's a bummer to not get a six foot seven guard like Anthony Black. I don't know how physical he is. I've watched highlights. I haven't seen a ton of him, but I suspect he would have fit pretty well with what Gonzaga would have wanted to do with him. And it's a bummer that he is not coming to campus. Well, and I don't mean to dwell on toys we've lost here, but I will say that he is as good a passer as I've seen in yep. person in high school. He's six seven and thin. He's not the yeah. physical presence I think right. that you reference. Like like Davion Mitchell probably still would have beat him up a couple years ago. Right? Like like, sure. I, like I wouldn't yeah. worry about that. But he was really impressive. Mm-hmm. This Huff kid, you know, Chicago's known for good high school basketball. He's also mm-hmm. six foot nine. You know, a little over two hundred pounds. Gonzaga always does well with those guys. Yep. Do you have high hopes for this kid? Is he just kind of like the plug and play, and we really kind of kind of hope we run it back with a lot of the sophomores and juniors or what are you thinking yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how he gets used as a freshman it, it depends we know Chet Holmgren's leaving there's no debate there uh, we don't know what's going on with Drew Timmy that's a big question mark if Drew Timmy comes back you have Drew Timmy you have Anton Watson who will be entering his third season at Gonzaga and he's been a huge part of what they've been doing he's a, he's a high level player he's going to step into a bigger role he's going to be going to be really nice and then you have Ben Gregg and Caden Perry who are both Entering their sophomore year, Ben Gregg was on the team two years ago because he graduated early from high school and there was no high school basketball that year, so he was able to join the Zags, Um, but they're both effectively sophomores, and Caden Perry had a back injury that cost him most of the year, and Ben Gregg, frankly, didn't play particularly well when he did get his opportunities this year, so so there's there's an opening for a potential uh, for Huff to play right away. It absolutely could happen. Gonzaga, I think, typically doesn't like to do that they had two five-star freshman guards on this year's roster and both of them played less than I think 15 minutes per game or right around 15 minutes per game in Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas so 
I would not expect that the four-star power forward is going to play more minutes than the five-star guards did this year. That's just not really Mark Few's style. But I do think that those two guards are going to step into very big roles this year, uh, this upcoming season that are going to be really, really good. And I think Huff's the kind of guy who maybe isn't great as a freshman, but by the time his Gonzaga career is over, we're going to think about him as being one of the, one of the better bigs in a school that's had a lot of good bigs. Well, a lot of good bigs. Uh, Houston Rockets legend Kelly Olenek. Uh, no, what, I, what I will say, though, <laughs> is you, you seem to be fairly confident that Salas and Hickman are coming back. Obviously, mm-hmm. they've had a few days since the season ended. The way college basketball goes for other programs is a mm-hmm. five-star guard comes in, doesn't get to play a lot, and they get upset and leave because yep. they want to go play. You feel very confident in the Gonzaga Kool-Aid that those guys are coming back. They're running. Mm-hmm. They're going to get to run the floor next year, et cetera. Yeah, I do. And it's reasonable to, to be skeptical of that uh, because it's unusual. Uh, and especially for a kid like Nolan Hickman, who flipped last, he was at Kentucky, he was committed to Kentucky, he was going to go there, he changed his mind, he committed to Gonzaga. He's a Seattle kid, so that probably helps that he's somewhat local. But yeah, I, I feel really confident that both these kids are coming back. They they both, I think they knew Mark Few has a good job of getting kids who are going to buy into that. They knew Andrew Nembhard was here. They knew that he was going to be the starting point guard. They knew you know, both of them came to Gonzaga after, I believe, after Razier Bolton was planning to come here as a grad transfer. At least they knew that he was going to be in the mix or that a grad transfer was going to be in the mix. Uh, and they competed for playing time, and they they could have easily competed to, to beat out either Nembhard or Bolton for a starting job. They didn't. It's not because they were bad. It's because those two guys were very, very good. I think Salas could have played more minutes towards the end of the year. I was a little bit surprised to see his minutes not tick up when we started to see him perform better on the court. He was really raw when he first came in. He's a Nebraska product, first five-star in Nebraska history was everybody thought he was going to Creighton. He decided not to go to Creighton. He came to Gonzaga, a super high level athlete who didn't have shooting touch and didn't have a lot of like basketball awareness. He seems to be just kind of like relying on his athleticism, but we saw him develop and grow as the year went on. Uh, I think the staff has huge hopes for him to be like the dude next year. Like the guy who goes and gets a bucket, the guy who facilitates the offense Uh, and Hickman, you know, was, it was a fantastic floor general facilitator he's a very calming presence you could tell when he was running the point that the team didn't get out of sorts for a true freshman that's pretty impressive um, and so I think both those guys are going to be very good but yeah Gonzaga does have something special where they don't see a lot of kids transfer out it's been even in the era of more transfers obviously Umar Balo was on the roster last year he transferred he went to Arizona but he was following a coach who recruited him that's a bit of a different situation hats off to him he had a phenomenal year for Arizona so it seemed to work out but Gonzaga does seem to keep their their high level talent for the most part and hopefully that'll be the case here because these two guys are going to be really really good well and that that may have played into Anthony Black's decision too you know the season ends Mm -hmm. for them and he's Mm -hmm. like waiting to see what happens and they Mm -hmm. no word of them leaving and while i guess that could come out later technically anthony black is making a decision that mcdonald's all-american weekend and he's playing with a couple other guys at that mcdonald's game that are going to arkansas and and i guess that all makes plenty of sense andy we started the season talking about gonzaga versus texas it was a one five matchup if i remember right and i guess it was it was on your show and we were talking about like what what that was going to look like and i came in as a texas guy and talked about Mm -hmm. you know we had guard play and you guys had front court play. And I think we lost by a lot of points. If yeah. I remember correctly, it was a hazy Saturday night. No, um, but what I will say is now we're sitting here with the last weekend of college basketball and 
preseason one and preseason five are both at home. Now, Texas was probably a little high at preseason five, but we were, we're at home as well. This is the midterm. It's the middle of the week. It's brought to you by my bookie and my bookie place all your bets on college basketball, NFL, NBA, whatever you need to do. Uh, you can double your deposit up to a thousand us dollars using code F in sports, anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Their favorite on my bookie is they've got Duke at plus 160. Kansas, for what it's worth, is right behind them at plus 180. Um, and then Nova and North Carolina are much further back. You got to see Duke up close and personal. What are your impressions on the Duke Blue Devils kind of qualitatively first? They're, they're just so talented. I mean, honestly, like you can talk about the coaching and you could talk about everything else in the storyline or whatever. Uh, and there's there's plenty to that obviously from a narrative perspective but this team just has a lot of dudes who are really good at basketball like that that is the I, I you know we don't need to get a lot more analytical than that at this point uh, Paolo Bancaro is extraordinary he's he's 250 pounds he moves like a point guard he he his outside shot hasn't really developed but his ability to get to the rim is incredible uh, and then you have a guy like AJ Griffin who has been playing really really well as of late I think he's a huge x factor for this team and then for me, the biggest X factor, number one X factor, especially in this North Carolina game, is Mark Williams. Mark Williams is, he was the X factor against the Zags. That was, that game was highly billed as Chet versus Paulo, and it <laughs> didn't quite live up to those expectations in a lot of ways. Uh, Bancaro had a good game. Chet was fine in that game. Bancaro missed most of the second half, but Mark Williams is a, is a rim protector. He's a shot blocker. He's a high level scorer around the rim. He's, he moves extremely well defensively. And when you're playing a team like North Carolina with Brady Manek, with Armando Baycott, like you need to have depth in the front court. You need to be able to stop those guys from scoring around the rim. You need to keep Baycott off the boards as much as possible. There are not a lot of teams with the front court depth to challenge North Carolina. And that's how they've gotten this far as an eight seed that disappointed in the regular season. Like they got here. Yeah. Baylor had some injuries, but they, I mean, they straight up beat them. They, they beat that team. They beat UCLA. Uh, a team that was playing pretty well up to that point. Like this is a good North Carolina team, but Duke has, has a front court talent, the depth to, to really match up with them. And, you know, that's without even talking about, you know, the guard play of Roach and Wendell Moore and all those guys as well. So talk to me about, I mean, Gonzaga almost pulled it off earlier early in the season, right? It was like around Thanksgiving. Yeah. I want to say it was, it was a one position game, like two, three points. And mm-hmm. I, I guess in my head, I also remember it being a game that was like, because as a Rockets guy, we're looking at the draft, we're looking at Chet, we're looking at Paolo, frankly, mm-hmm. we're looking at Jabari, we're looking at Ivy, right? Like, we're, like that's what we're thinking these days. And, and while we can break that down at a later date, if you really want to, <laughs> the game was not about those guys. Mm-hmm. Do you see that playing out the same way versus Carolina? Because while Carolina doesn't have a top five draft pick, they have the big size to like frustrate Paolo, it seems. Yeah. 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 I think it'll come down to a lot of how the front court is, is played. I, I think I'm curious how North Carolina is going to attempt to defend Bancaro. Obviously, you know, the other storyline here is these teams are familiar with each other. They have played <laughs> each other multiple times. Uh, and so, and they're, they're both well-coached teams. Obviously you have Krzyzewski on one side, you have Hubert Davis. I love the narrative arc of like first year coach versus, you know, 42nd year coach <laughs> uh, in Krzyzewski, especially in a matchup like this. But I, I do think that, how, how Mark Williams plays defensively is a big factor. Keeping Baycott off the rim is a big factor. Uh, and then I think is, I mean, defending Palo is a big factor. Neither Manek or Baycott are, are 
particularly well equipped to guard Bancaro and that's less of a knock on them and more of a I don't know that there's a lot of people in college basketball who are equipped to guard Bancaro when he's playing his best because he's just really 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 hard to stop um, and then of course you know there is there is a factor with the guards as well too I, I, Caleb Love has, has played really well lately that has been a huge factor for North Carolina but he is prone to streakiness he's prone to taking a lot of bad shots missing a lot of bad shots if, if he's doing that against Duke uh, and they have a more controlled offense, they have a better opportunity to get easy buckets, that, that could present a problem uh, for, for Hubert Davis and his team. Well, and talk to me some about Carolina, because it sounds like I think we both picked Duke, even though Carolina did win one of those two regular season matchups. It, it was the last game Coach K played at Cameron Indoor, right? Like, mm-hmm. that was a significant game. If, you're, if you can't get up for that one, you can't get up for anything. And Carolina came in and won by double digits. I've been impressed by Caleb Love. Frankly, there's been like thoughts in my head of like, you know, Houston's going to get a late first round pick two out of Brooklyn. What's that going to look like? You know, like Carolina is going to be competitive in this game. And it's not just because of like rivalry magic. We haven't mentioned Brady Manick at all. Mm-hmm. And he is like, we talk about like memorable faces and Drew Timmy yeah. and NIL is like, he's the face you see in all the one shining moment kind of moments for North Carolina. What's their path to victory here? Yeah, I mean, can you remember the last time a Tar Heel will be this revered for only spending one year there? I mean, it is remarkable. They love him. They love him down there. And I get why. My first memories of Minnick uh, were when he was at Oklahoma and Drew Timmy torched him in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> um, but he has had a remarkable season. I mean, look at how there was other factors at play, but look at how deflating it was for that team when he went out in that Baylor game uh, they were up 25 and dang near blew that lead um, again other factors at play but him being out I think was a was definitely a part of it I think for North Carolina the guards need to play under control that's a huge factor for them Duke does not the, Duke rarely gets that flustered where they're playing out of control and if you if you kind of struggle to do that they're going to put pressure on you they have big guards Trevor Keels Wendell Moore are big dudes they can push you around a little bit Uh, but again North Carolina has done this they've been there done that they've played this team they've beat this team they there is no anybody who is I think it's reasonable to pick Duke I am picking Duke I believe they will win but it's impossible to say that I'm 100% sure on Duke they they lost this game like they, they lost this game they lost to this team North Carolina can do it again they're playing really well I don't think Duke is playing their best basketball right now they struggled against Michigan State they pulled out a victory but they struggled in that game they played well against Texas Tech they played well against Arkansas I'll give them that that was kind of their first like commanding like we took a lead and we never lost it but they didn't blow them out you know, they didn't cruise to a super easy victory. They kind of had to grind to get that one. And they're going to have to grind really hard against North Carolina too. Definitely. And I think it's, you know, they lost this game at home. So it feels awkward to pick them in a neutral site. Right. But there's also this part of me that like, maybe it's from being a college kid, an athlete or whatever. Maybe it's the coach K aspect of this. And like, he's going to do, you got to do it for K or whatnot. But like, I almost feel like losing the Cameron indoor game. Mm-hmm helps them and the, if they'd blown the doors off of Carolina mm-hmm. they'd probably have some like overconfidence coming in and yep. if they got you know you know too wishy-washy early on it's one game sample you don't yep. have a lot of time to make that up right yep. whereas like we, we've talked before when talking about the Zags about how like sometimes that speed can do has done that to them in the past where like it's yep. like then it's halftime and you only got 20 minutes to fix it right because they lost this I I just don't see them coming out soft to start the game you know obviously like I guess Bancaro could like 
get in foul trouble or whatever. The line is Duke minus four. I think even if it's a one possession game that turns into the free throw thing, they, they beat that. I'm also, I think, picking Duke. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's only one of the two games Saturday night. And frankly, the other game also has two blue blood programs. Like, how do we have all these upsets weekend one and get to the end? Not just because they wear blue, like the true blue bloods. Like, all we're missing is Kentucky. Like, <laughs> with, with that said, the other line is Kansas minus four and a half. We've got Kansas versus Villanova. What obviously got a little bit less familiarity, probably as is a Gonzaga guy with them, but what is your qualitative impression on that game? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the big story for that game ahead of time is the injury to Justin Moore for Villanova. Um, I, I'm quite certain that that impacted some of these lines. He's out for a full year, which is a tremendous bummer. He got hurt in the final seconds of their last game, which just really puts a damper on, on any kind of victory. But for me, the, the main matchup here is going to be the, the matchup of the guards. Uh, the point guards, particularly Colin Gillespie, so, so good for Villanova. A great, great outside shooter. He's not a huge facilitator, uh, there, there weren't a lot of great facilitating point guards in the NCAA this year. It was kind of just an odd year of not a lot of great point guard play. But Gillespie was awesome. He's one of, if not the best point guard in the country this year. And then you have, for Kansas, you have Remy Martin, who is coming off the bench and was kind of, I don't want to say an afterthought because he's been in college basketball for years and years now. I don't know that he can be a full afterthought, but he wasn't a huge contributor, but he's been really good in the NCAA tournament. And so that matchup between those two guys is going to be a huge factor in this one. Gillespie is going to have to shoulder a bigger load for Nova without Justin Moore on the floor. They got a lot of depth. Jay Wright's a great coach. I'm sure they'll find ways to kind of, you know, they're, they're thankful that this wasn't a Thursday, Saturday where they lost Justin Moore and then had to play the next day. Yeah. At least they got about a week of time that they could maybe make some adjustments and figure out what they want to do. But it's hard enough to be Kansas and trying to do it without your second best player is, is a tough, t- t- tall order. Well, and, and then I also think that of the Kansas backcourt guys, Oshia Abaji is, he, he's probably a pro, right? Six, five or whatever. Like he'll probably get a shot. Remy Martin at six foot 175. This, this could be the crowning achievement. Like he might go do it off the bench, but, but this might be his crowning achievement. And there's almost something interesting there. Do you see, you mentioned Justin Moore and you mentioned Colin Gillespie. I, I feel like I've got to point out this is Villanova's losing, losing their second highest score. Like this is not just some guard that like mm-hmm. runs the offense and sets screens yeah. and back cuts and what like this is a, this is a key part of what they do. Obviously, you mentioned they got a week to prepare. How how are they going to do this? This feels like a big big thing to get over. Yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, it, it, they got a they they do have a deep team. I think that's a fortunate. I mean, it, most teams that are still alive in the Final Four are pretty deep. Uh, Villanova was a title favorite for large chunks of the season. Uh, Caleb Daniels is going to have to step up, uh, play a bigger role for this team. Uh, he's kind of their other, their third guard. He plays a fair amount. He's about 28 minutes per game. So it's not like he's going to take on a, a huge, a, a lot more minutes per game, but he's going to be asked to shoot more shots. He's going to be asked to facilitate the offense a little bit more. Um, and then they got, you know, Jordan Longino coming off the bench. He hasn't played a ton this year, but I think he's going to be the guy. Like, I think that's the dude right there that's going to need to step up and play. And, and for because they're such a system offense at Villanova, it makes it a little bit easier. Like, not everybody can just step up and score 15 points per game like Justin Moore did. Like, that's not an easy task for anybody to do. But when you run a system offense and you're, you spend five days saying, okay, all we need you to do is – 
you know, run the offense, do what you normally do in practice, do what you do when you come into the games. It's just, instead of nine minutes, you're going to do it for 32 minutes. <laughs> and that's not, it's not easy. Nobody's saying that it's easy necessarily, but at least, you know, it's, they're not an isolation offense where they're just trying to go get buckets one-on-one. -on -one. They, they have a system, they have a plan. These guys have been practicing this plan all year long. And now somebody else is just gonna have to go out and execute it. You know, if this was a first or second round game, I would think okay, Nova's probably still going to take care of it, even even without more. But this is this is a tall, tall order against a really good team. Well, and you mentioned Caleb Daniels. Caleb Daniels is actually fifth on the team in, in minutes, but mm -hmm. only has started twice. So he, he is kind of that he's he's going to do what he's done. It's really how do you replace Caleb Daniels off the bench, as I see it, right? Like, how mm -hmm. do you like if Caleb Daniels starts, that's fine. We know what they look like with him on the floor. Is it? Jordan Longino, it, like who, who steps in as that other guard spot? I, I gotta be honest. And this may be my own big 12 bias all healthy. I might've still picked Kansas. Kansas feels like a team playing very well at the right time of the year. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a hard time picking against them with this injury, but I, I, I want to maintain, like I might've picked them anyway, whether that's because yeah. it's Bill self or, you know, that, maybe there's something in the air about Krzyzewski's first title was a 91 against Kansas or whatever, like, like something, something just feels like it's their kind of turn to me. I also, you know, point blank have like KJ Adams is a young recruit that had, or young freshman on, on Kansas that hadn't played a whole lot. He's a Texas high school kid that I really enjoyed from high school. I, I guess I look at them and I'm like, Oh, I, this is feels like a gift. Are you also taking Kansas? Or do you think Villanova's got a shot here? Yeah, I am taking Kansas, and I think I think I probably would have taken Kansas uh, without the Villanova. It would have been tougher. I would have had to do some research before I would have put any actual money on it. Um, but I do think that that now with more out and Kansas has been playing really well. I know they haven't had the toughest path. In fact, I think it's quite reasonable to say that they have had the easiest path to get to where they have gotten. Uh, with Auburn losing to Miami, with Wisconsin losing. Like they, I mean, they played Miami to get to the Elite Eight, a 10 seed. Miami's a good team uh, and was playing well. And I would add that they were down at halftime. Like, like, yeah. like that was competitive for 23 yeah. minutes, 24 minutes. Yeah, that was a tough game. Uh, and, and I don't think Providence is bad. That's one of the teams that they played. There, there was some a lot of debate about how good Providence actually was this year, though, because they had a lot of luck factors going their way. But Ed Cooley's great coach. Providence, I think, was a legitimate four seed that they had to beat. Um, so I, I don't think their path was easy. But I also think that their path was easier than most of the rest of the teams that have gotten here to this point. Um, a lot of people wanted to make a claim that North Carolina, because they only had to play a 15 seed, had an easy path, which is BS because they beat a one seed. So I don't know how you can how you can call that easy. They literally had to beat a one seed to get there. Um, well, and yeah, they had to they had to beat Baylor. I'd also argue like UCLA right after yeah. Baylor, like to their credit, like UCLA was a Final Four team a year ago and has a lot of the same names and faces like yeah. that. That wasn't an easy path. No. I'll admit they probably had the easiest Elite Eight game. Like, yeah. <laughs> like but everyone yeah. got one of those. You know, I mean, Kansas yeah. got to play Texas Southern and like, yeah. those kind yeah. of things happen. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think Kansas, I don't think they're like well-rested or anything. They had some, some challenging battles to get to where they are, but they're healthy. They're healthier. They got a, a really nice front court. And then, of course, Abaji is just is so good. He's so, so good. And Villanova, you know, that's another factor for them. Moore is one of their bigger guards. And so now they're going to have to figure out a way to defensively handle Abaji. And that's not easy. Not a lot of teams have figured out how to do that this year. Uh, and so for him, he, I think he's going to have a great game. I think the front court is going to have a really good game for Kansas. Uh, Villanova is not 
they're they're good in that regard, but their most of their damage is obviously comes from their backcourt. So I think that Kansas has the ability to win this one on the boards. I think that's going to be a big factor for them. Um, and I think again, Remy Martin and the rest of the guards have been playing really well lately. And if they can facilitate that offense, run it smoothly, not let Villanova get into their actions, a team that's missing their second best player, second leading scorer is going to have a hard time figuring out how to get the ball in the bucket. Well, and so we probably should point out that my boogie is not going to have odds on the title game until the matchups are like completely, mm-hmm. completely set. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know what the line will be, but we did just pick the favorites in mm-hmm. the final four. And if you look at the uh, championship odds, Duke at plus 160, Kansas at plus 180, I'd imagine that they draw the line as something very, very close, right? Yeah. Like I, I'd imagine it's a plus two and a half or a plus three and mm-hmm. a half or, or something. I, I am looking here. I, I'm pulling up the championship game in 1991, Coach K's first championship <laughs> as the head coach Duke Blue Devils, 11 years into his tenure there, right? Built a program at this little private school in North Carolina, and they beat Kansas in the final that year, 72 to 65. Not that, I mean, you're more likely to have a kid from one of the people that played in that game playing in this game. There's no real connection besides Coach K. Even Mm -hmm. at at Kansas, they've changed coaches a couple times. But we are writing our own storybook here. Mm -hmm. How do you see it ending? Yeah, I think if that's the matchup, Duke-Kansas, I think I'm taking Duke. And they're obviously the lower seed, but and it'll depend how the game goes. That, again, is a caveat that is pretty obvious. If Duke wins but Palo gets hurt, then we're probably changing our conversation. But assuming that there's there's health and that they both, you know, win their games, I, I think I'm Duke just is so talented and they seem to be gelling at the right time. I think top to bottom, the, the top six or seven at Duke, uh, is just is just better than the top six or seven at Kansas. I think Bill Self has done a really good job, uh, and I think Agbaji obviously is a phenomenal player. And I think that Kansas may arguably have more depth, like eight, nine, ten, like when you get all the way down there. But for one forty-minute game, when both teams are relatively healthy and rested, it just matters who your stars are. And Paulo and Mark Williams and AJ Griffin, those guys are stars like legitimate studs. And I think that they're going to get it done. I think it's going to be a close game. I would be shocked if this was a blowout either way. Uh, I don't think there's any combination of matchups uh, between these four teams that would result in a blowout in the national championship game. Having said that, sure as heck didn't think Baylor Gonzaga would be a blowout either. So it happens. (laughs) Um, But I think that we're going to get a really good championship game, whatever it is. And if it ends up being Duke, Kansas, I think that the narrative will end satisfyingly for those who want to see a Disney ending with Krzyzewski winning it all in his last season. Completely. It it becomes its own fun documentary of sorts on it. I, I look at it and I say, the way that this goes Kansas's way would be because of some one game sample size thing, like mm-hmm. a Palo and foul trouble yep. or, you know, not shooting the ball. Well, yep. uh, AJ Griffin, right. He's, he's a pretty sharp shooter. Like, like something like that works out for, against yep. Duke. I, I like a seven game series. I absolutely would be picking Duke. I, I will say that we've seen Duke, you know, you're talking about screwing up the storybook. Duke mm-hmm. screwed up the storybook twice this year. <laughs> and I guess it'd be kind of on brand for them to do it again. I'm going to lean on that feeling more like a wake-up call because yeah. I look at them and I'm like, Kansas is, is big and strong. They're mm-hmm. not 6'10", 250 big and strong. Right. And yeah. Kansas Tech, and, and this is, I guess, my Big 12 bias coming in, played each other fairly tooth and nail for the Big 12 championship game. Kansas kind of mm-hmm. pulled away at the end. Mm-hmm. Tech, I thought, played Duke fairly well for a while. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Paolo was like, I'm winning this bleeping game. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. And 
they won. Like I, I just feel like that could very likely happen again. And I, <laughs> I would, having just seen that, have a hard time betting against that. Yeah, I, I guess I'm also taking Duke. For what it's worth, Andy, I picked Z- I picked Gonzaga, you know, three weeks ago when we got the bracket. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's maybe that was the kiss of death. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was Gonzaga, Arizona, man. I was ready for that West Coast game, and we did not get it. <laughs> you have a lot of fun content coming out, all Gonzaga, all the time. Obviously, you're gonna be talking, I'm sure, about breaking down the season's end. You do a great job, as we mentioned at the start of the show, breaking down player by player and kind of looking both back and projecting forward. Uh, I'm sure you do some stuff getting ready for the drafts. And, you know, like if some Gonzaga guy is going off in the NBA playoffs, I'm sure they'll get some shout outs as well. But Andy, where can people find all of this? It's it's a lot of Gonzaga is a lot of fun, but where can people find it? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. That is a Twitter account. That is the name of the previous podcast before I became the host uh, of the Locked on Zags podcast. You can find that at Locked on Zags on Twitter. Podcast is available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, there's also a YouTube channel. So if you just go to YouTube, search Locked on Zags, you will see it there. The goal was to get to 500 subscribers before the Zags got eliminated. We did not quite get there, but we came pretty close. We'll probably get there by the national championship. So if you want to subscribe there, you can find it there. And yeah, tons, tons of NBA draft content. So folks who are listening, who are, you know, learn more about Chet Holmgren, you want to learn more about Andrew Nembhard, Drew Timmy, any of those guys, there's definitely going to be a lot of content uh, leading up to the draft and even content after the draft about how those guys are doing in summer league and so on. And two second draft question. Yep. Am I crazy as a Rockets fan for almost wanting the fourth pick so someone makes the decision for me? Like I, like, <laughs> like, I feel like the top four, I don't know how to pick yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. And if I were the fourth pick, the decision's made. Like <laughs> It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, I, I think it's, very reasonable to argue for Chet at number one, but if he fell to three, I wouldn't be stunned either. I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously Paolo is such a unique playmaker. Jabari Smith, such a unique outside shooter for his size. Jaden Ivey, phenomenal as well. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting to see how those top four picks shake out, uh, especially, you know, because three of them are bigs and it's just interesting to compare. They're very, very, very different style big men though. And I think that's what makes it so hard to kind of Every team's going to have a slightly different need. I just did Locked On Blazers recently, uh, and I'm a big Blazers fan myself. And he was like, so why should we take Chet Holmgren if we get the first pick? And I said, I love Chet Holmgren, but for the Blazers, you should take Paolo Bancaro. Like, he just <laughs> for what you need. Like, if Yusuf Nurkic is still going to be around, don't take Chet Holmgren. Take Paolo Bancaro. Get a playmaker. Get a secondary ball handler. Like, it makes more sense. So it'll be interesting to see how the draft shakes out for sure. For sure. So make sure you're checking out for, again, offseason college basketball, Potential Gonzaga talk in the NBA playoffs, but definitely pre-draft, post-draft talk. All the Zags all the time. Locked on Zags. Andy Patton, thanks for coming on today, man. Yeah, thanks, Parker. It's always a good time. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the 
oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it helps <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, do you feel well-informed? Do you feel like you can go to mybookie.com, use code FNSports, get double your deposit up to $1,000, US and then go make some great educated picks? Thank you to, uh, we'll call him substitute teacher, assistant teacher, teacher, I don't know, what do you want to, anyway, we'll call him something like, along those lines, if you have a good idea, submit it in comments or in a tweet, but we're going to say thank you again to Andy Patton for stopping by the show, talk all about the Zags again, wish the Zags were playing this weekend, because that would help my bracket out, but anyway, thank you to Andy for stopping by, talking all about college basketball, again, you can find him at ScoreZagScore on Twitter, or the show is at LockedOnZags on Twitter, YouTube, it's wherever you get your podcasts. As far as me and my personal stuff, you can find my stuff at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find this show on Instagram and Twitter at F underscore N underscore sports, that's at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram and on Twitter, we're at FN Sports 2, that's at F-I-N-S-P-U-R-T-S number 2, all one word on Twitter. Both of those social media handles will have a link tree in the body. If you click on the link tree, you can find all of our sponsors, including my bookie. You can also find things like our deal with the beard struggle, or you can find all your bearded needs or Yeti to get all your cups, coolers, and koozies. You can also use those link trees to get to our merch store we do through Bonfire. Every single month, we have a different charitable t-shirt or hoodie or something along those lines. The month of March is Women's History Month, so we have a special orange hoodie campaign, and you can also get a t-shirt where all proceeds of the orange campaign are going to support Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas. So make sure you grab a shirt, support the show, support a great cause, because Texas needs your help. Meanwhile, while you're feeling like supporting things, make sure you give us a five-star review. Give us nice little words in the comments section. Make sure you rate, review, do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast on a couple of different channels. Help us out wherever you can. And whatever you do, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.